Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to Growing Woman, a podcast all about uplifting and amplifying women's voices and stories. I am your host, Christina Singh, and I am so beyond thrilled that you are here listening to this show. Uh, I am so excited about today's guest and so excited about this season. Honestly, I know in the last episode, we chatted about how damn good this season is going to be. And this episode is just another testament to just how powerful women are and how powerful our voices and our stories are. Um, Today, I uh, am chatting with Katrina Leggins, and you might follow her on social media. You you may not. Um, but she has a beautiful Instagram account. Um, I said that kind of weird. Instagram account. <laughs> Instagram account called at um, K Nicole Writing. And her focus is all about self-care, uh, mental health, combating, uh, you know, these systems that we have that really run us to the ground with exhaustion. Um, And in this episode, we really get super real about what that means. We talk about how self-care is really diverse. It doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. And in fact, it doesn't really mean what we think. Um, There are so many factors that go into self-care and mental health. And Katrina really does a deep dive into it with me. And I am just so grateful for her vulnerability. We talk about race. We talk about white supremacy culture in this episode. It is just a beautiful testament to Katrina and her expertise and uh, the gifts that she brings into this world. So um, I'm just so thrilled to have had her on the show. And for those of you who don't know Katrina, she is a licensed mental health therapist. She's a self-care educator, a writer, and a public speaker, and she resides in Oklahoma. Um, And she's the owner and founder of Canical Writing. And so she has this inspirational and informational platform, and her goal is really all about helping others and motivating people through mental health education, empowerment, and obviously inspiration. So you, if you follow my page, I have definitely shared some of her posts and I absolutely adore her mission. Um, and in addition to her business, I do want to say she is one of the founders of Becoming the Full Package, which is a beautiful workshop that she launched in 2017, um, where she and her partners teach girls girls um, and teens and young women, uh, ways to manage their mental health, their wellness, their self-image, and embrace their beauty. Uh, You can find Katrina uh, at www.knicolewriting.com, and you can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at knicolewriting. I highly, highly encourage you to go follow her. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I cannot wait for you to hear all about Katrina. Enjoy! I do want to offer a content warning for this episode. We do talk about race, racial violence, um, and trauma. So uh, if you need that, I just wanted to offer that for you. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy this episode with Katrina. Katrina, welcome to the Growing Woman podcast. I am so thrilled that you are joining me today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I found you through your platform on Instagram and... I resonate so resonate with so much of what you say online um, and in reading more about you and more about who you are, one thing that really um, popped up to me was really uh, the fact that you're a self-care educator um, and that's how you describe yourself in, in many of the things that you do. In reading more about you, I was like, uh, Katrina is very busy, um, but, <laughs> but you are um, namely a self-care educator. So I wanted to ask you, how did you get into the mental health field? How did this become a passion of yours first and foremost? Yeah, so um, I, first I'm a licensed clinical social worker mm-hmm. and um, I've been in the mental health field for about eight years now. Um, I have my background in social work. Um, before I even decided that social work would be a field uh, that would take me where I am today, I always wanted to have um, an idea of how to 
help my family and understand what we were experiencing. Um, and then some of my personal challenges. I dealt with um, quite a bit being raised by a single mother, a teen single mother, um, mm -hmm. and just growing up seeing and witnessing quite a bit. But it, um, it, it was hard, but it was a lot of things that I knew, uh, I feel like I could help or handle. And so my mom was big on education. She was big on uh, going to school, furthering your career. Mine too. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and doing what makes you happy. Single mom, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so she pushed me and, and motivated me to uh, do ultimately what makes me happy. And I knew I just wanted to help people in some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, being in the field of social work, you have so many options, um, not just taking kids away. People think when you hear social work, oh, you're work for the Department of Human Services or you're just gonna take kids away. No, we do a whole lot more than just, you know, help families and provide resources, I feel in that capacity. But um, getting that degree allowed me to um, become a therapist for who I am today. Mm -hmm. And um, early on in my career, uh, I was excited, eager to be this new therapist, but I did not know that the work that was required to be a therapist, the paperwork, the clients we saw, the administrative duties, it was a lot. Mm. And I started to burn out very early on in my career. And it almost made me regret even entering the field, but I knew wow. deep down inside. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. Like I almost was just like totally just quit because <laughs> it was just so much. And yeah. I was young because I got my master's at 23 wow. and I was real young. And I was just like, this is a lot. And I'm not taking care of myself. I'm taking work home. I don't feel like I'm being my best when I'm with my clients. And so um, I started learning about the importance of self-care um, and I didn't learn that in grad school. It wasn't modeled and talked about growing up. It was mm -hmm. just work hard, work hard. You know, you got to do all these different things to reach your goals, but mental health and self-care was never talked about and how to handle, um, how to take care of ourselves properly in that capacity. I grew up a uh, Baptist. Um, uh, my faith and my spirituality is a big part of my life, mm -hmm. but Growing up, I knew there was something more that I, I needed in addition to going to church and praying. Um, and mental health and therapy helped me throughout my young adult life and now as an adult, an older adult. And um, it's been the best decision because I can merge the, merge that gap that yeah. I was in, you know? And so ultimately I wanted to help my family. I wanted to help myself and understand what these issues we were having and, and these generational patterns I was yeah. like, seeing as I grew, as I got older, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. And, <laughs> it does become a know, lot. Yeah. yeah. And then I, and then I become this career woman at 23, 24 and I'm overwhelmed. And so I took it a point to start understanding and researching and learning about the importance of self-care um, and started taking care of myself first, because I believe it's important to uh, be a model, be a, um, be someone that does the work first before you start, you know, helping yeah. others and teaching and educating. And so I learned the ins and out of what self-care looks like. Cause I, I honestly, like everyone else assumed it was just getting my nails done, getting my hair done. Right. A you lot know, of the outside things yeah. that we're very used to around self-care. So right. can we, can we dive a little bit into, okay, so you, you, um, identified this thing, self-care that you really needed for you. Um, you were a career woman and you were getting burnt out at 24. Uh, I think a lot of people can relate. Um, and welcome to me living in Brooklyn with things in the background. Sorry about that, guys. Um, as you know, every single time I do this show, I say that. Um, but um, you're getting burnt out um, and you start doing research on self-care and how important that is in healing for you and your family and your, um, you know, generational trauma, which I know so many of us out there can relate to. What started happening in your life when you started practicing self-care outside of the things that we usually see as, you know, like getting your nails done and getting your hair done, you know, important things, but um, what started happening in your life and what did that what did those moments of self-care look like for you? Well, for one, I started to see a shift in my relationships because 
I started putting me first mm. <laughs> and people, uh, you know, they see you like I'm a, I'm a helper. I, yeah. I love everyone. I love being there for everybody, but I had to take a step back and start pouring more into me so I could be there for others and my clients. And so right. I did see a shift in relationships where um, some people just decided not to want to be around me as often because I wasn't available as much. And right. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was, you know it, it was it was interesting, but it was also a good thing because that's that's weight I don't need in my life right now. Um, I started to have more energy physically um, and mentally. Um, obviously, this was way before COVID. <laughs> COVID hit, but I have more time and energy on my hands to do my work, to uh, give, put forth my best effort. You know, I felt more upbeat. I felt happier. I struggled with depression um, early on in my teen years and my young adult years. And I've always battled with anxiety. And so it really helped me put my mental health first. So I started focusing more on my mental health. Um, and making it a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, I also was able to prioritize some of the things that I would put on the back burner because I didn't have time and energy to handle because I was so tired with work all the time. Right, right. You know? So I just felt like I, I was able to prioritize things that were way more important than just going to work and sleeping all day or going to work, <laughs> you know, and, and missing out with friends and family. And that's another thing I've had. I have more time with my loved ones who do understand and who, who do care about my mental health and well-being. So it just freed up more time ultimately. And yeah. It sounds like what you're talking about is boundaries <laughs> and establishing boundaries in your life with your time with relationships um so for somebody who might be struggling with establishing a boundary what was something that you did that really helped you with boundaries and how can people practice that in their life so um for me i i'll start with just being available and using social media and emails and on the phone and texting, I had to limit contact with people and mm-hmm. be okay with not being accessible or not responding back right away and not giving a reason or an excuse to why I felt this was necessary. So I set those parameters around myself. Um, and if you did not honor that, then you know, I, I don't know how else to really communicate something that benefits me and helps me so I could be a better person for you. And so that was one thing was just setting up those limits and those parameters around uh, myself and between different relationships I had with people. With work in particular, since that was a part of the struggle I had, I stopped taking work home. Once I came home, mm. it's time to spend time with yourself, your loved ones, whatever you decide to do. Because working 24 seven is just, I don't like that people glorify that because it's just unrealistic. You can't be at your best self working nonstop. And so right. that was something else that I, I did for sure. Um, but with boundaries, you have to remember that they're not for other people. They're for you, that'll protect you, uh, that'll keep, um, help you protect your peace, protect your energy. And if people can't honor that, and if, if they can't honor that, then I would reevaluate those relationships with those people and they may not ever understand why it's necessary to do it and you know that's not your problem to try to figure out because right now I'm trying to do what's necessary for my mental health and my well-being so I can be at my best self. I love this so much because I think what you're also touching on is this um, strange obsession with hustle culture that we all have right now and working nonstop and really having this um, disconnect with uh, the fact that people are always talking about self-care and they're always talking about working. Mm -hmm. And um, I would, I'm just so interested in how your clients feel right now around that. Like, do you speak with people who are feeling that push and pull that you are having? And, um, and how has that come up in your work that you're doing right now with people? Well, I see more of, and I work for one, let me just emphasize, I work in community mental health. So Mm -hmm. I see a population, um, 
that are a lot of my clients can be at risk, high risk, mm-hmm. um, struggling in different capacities. Um, so I see a lot of clients right now struggling with wanting to be busier, wanting to do more, but physically and mentally, they don't have the energy that they did before. So I try to remind them, hey, take this time to listen to your body and what it's saying and honor it and and, and, and respond appropriately because you're probably not used to slowing down, taking breaks and resting. And so if yeah. you have that, you know, if, if you're, if you have that opportunity to do so, obviously do it. And if you don't, I need you to make time to do so because my mom always, always told me if you don't listen to your body, you're going to, your body's going to give you a reason to slow down. Oh and my God. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you don't want to wait for the worst to happen before yeah. you finally just you take a moment to yourself. But with my clients in particular, it's, oh, Katrina, I just, I should be doing more. I'm just so tired all the time. And I just should be working. It's like, <laughs> you, you, we gotta, we have to, uh, we have to unlearn and undo that way of thinking. And that can be uh, culturally, um, be a cultural issue because of where you come from in your environment, thinking that that's just the way of operating ongoing. And I have to remind my clients, rest and self-care will take you so much further in life Yeah, <laughs> on so many different levels. And, and if you, if you honor that and make that a priority and routinely implement rest breaks and self-care, your, your body will thank you later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I, I loved that you said when something is wrong, your body will tell you. And I know that when talking about trauma, so much of what we hear is that trauma really lives in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious kind of how uh, this space for yourself um, is during COVID when our bodies were so restricted and what you've seen over the past year and a half, really, we're seeing so much trauma swirling around us constantly uh, and our bodies are being affected. Um, what have you been seeing in your work and, and hearing on, on in all of your ventures that you're doing? As far as the trauma that, that everyone's experiencing? Yeah. Um, I would say collectively, um, it's been a lot of well, and I'll say this because as a black woman, <laughs> we got to add that component to um, what we've been experiencing outside of COVID. And so mm-hmm. I have conversations often um, that are needed about COVID and the racial injustices that we continue to experience as a, as a black culture. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it becomes a, a really hard topic to discuss because a lot of clients have a hard time trying to talk about it because of trust um, and also not really understanding how to verbalize how they feel. But I I feel a lot of clients are reliving and seeing trauma often (laughs) because it's televised, you know, but it's also like necessary at the same time. And then with COVID, we want to believe that it's gone, but it's not and people are still dying and people's relatives are still fighting for their lives. And so it's constant uh, stress in the body, stress um, that they're dealing with ongoing. And it, again, it's really hard to try to work with these clients that have a hard time working through that, so. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with the deep, deep racial injustice in our country that we're just seeing on a regular basis, uh, it's more important than ever to rest and to recognize that it's going on. Um, if you're a, a person of color in this country, if you're a black woman in this country, uh, you know, the opportunity to rest, I would imagine is not very easy. Um, and you're seeing white supremacy culture around us all the time in every way. And I think it combats directly with all of the things that we were talking about, the lack of boundaries, perfectionism, um, the sense of urgency in our lives, the lack of uh, understanding that um, there are people who have certain privileges in this world, in our country, 
where they're able to stay home and other people don't, where they have to go out and work. Um, so I really want to honor you in that moment for bringing that up um, and for speaking on that. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you know, when all of these things are happening and swirling around and you're taking on people's energy in your work, how do you take care of yourself? How do you rest? How do you decompress and, um, you know, <laughs> try and take a step back from this white supremacy culture that is around us all the time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, initially, very, very challenging. I won't lie, because I like to tell people, listen, I am a therapist, but I'm human first. Right. <laughs> so I have feelings, I have emotions, I deal with things in certain ways as well. Um, but again, boundaries, we'll probably say that word quite a bit throughout um, this conversation, but I had to set boundaries with myself, with um, what I was watching on television, what I was reading in the articles, uh, even when friends would text me and send me things like, hey, letting them know, can you please not send me this? Can you please not? I, I just don't have the mental capacity to talk about this. Um, letting them know that um, with uh, when it came to my off days and after work, literally would use that time to do something that brought me joy, something that um, helped calm me, relax me. So I would not experience these um, intrusive thoughts, you know, these ruminating thoughts about like fear, honestly, yeah. <laughs> fear yeah. what, what could happen to me and my loved ones, my family, even my clients. And so um, really separating work and my personal life, because if you don't set those boundaries as a professional, having professional boundaries, it can carry on into your work. And that can start to cause problems with um, your clients and with the, some of the administrative work that you have to do as well. So boundaries was the big deal, doing things that brought me joy and then community care. So I would spend time with my loved ones, with my family and some of my friends, uh, whether it was virtually at the beginning of, of COVID um, or just you know spending time with, with loved ones um, in a small setting at home, I'm sorry, in their homes, because we need, to, we need each other right. as well. We're not meant to always do everything by ourselves. And sometimes we need support. Sometimes we need, we need that contact, that human contact with others. Um, or I love my community on Instagram and on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I have therapy groups I'm a part of and different uh, online groups. So I, I would use those as support as well. So there's a lot of different things that I did that I adopt that I still do to this day because now it's kind of like a routine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then saying thing, I'll say this too, saying no to things that do not serve me, do not benefit me, but also identifying when to say yes to certain things that can help me, can can help um fill me up and help me feel better. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And um I wanted to, since you mentioned it, I also wanted to ask you about your social media platform and mm -hmm. how, uh, because I know we're seeing so much on social media, uh, you know, directly related to the things that we were just talking about, to racial injustice, to social injustice. Um, and we're seeing a lot of moments around self-care on social media where people are talking about, hey, I, I know one of the accounts I follow that I absolutely love is the NAP ministry. Oh, and <laughs> so great. And yeah. um I think that there are moments where, you know, there are those friendly reminders. And one of the things that I always turn to is actually your account for that friendly reminder when I'm scrolling and just seeing, um, you know, some horrible things on social media constantly. Um, I'm a woman of color, but I'm not a black woman and I'm not, you know, in your shoes whatsoever. Uh, and there are these moments of reprieve that I feel when I see your content, but I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing. So what is your motivation for um, putting your content out in the world, especially during these moments where everyone needs this reprieve and everyone needs these reminders? Because I certainly feel that beauty and love from your content. And I just wanted to know what motivates you and inspired you to do this and to start this. Well, first off, thank you for those kind words and for your support, um, because honestly, hearing 
hearing that is one of the reasons why I continue to do it. I get DMs and comments um, from people who will pour out their heart and share like how much my content has helped, you know, because I, I don't care if I get one like, it's just, I'm putting it out there for somebody who yeah. needs it. And I think about that too. Um, I was, I w- I needed it at one point. And so a lot of things I also write about um, that a lot of people don't sometimes see, it's about me. <laughs> it's things <laughs> I might've personally experienced and I feel someone can personally relate to. Um, and then obviously I have that educational component where I want to help teach you things that you might not understand. But I always tell people, take what relates to you. Don't take everything that I, I say because it may not apply to you. But I, I always try to be positive, uplift, uplifting, motivating, and educational with my uh, mental health and self-care content. But it definitely um, is something I feel I'm led to do spiritually mm-hmm. that makes I always feel like, okay, Katrina, you're being told to do, write about this, or you need to post this or talk about this. And the moment I do, I get, I get a, a, a lot of great feedback. I will get a lot of positive feedback. Right. Um, and it's releasing the therapeutic for me on a personal level. It's honestly, I have to say that sometimes it can be very, it can be self-care and you have to be careful because some people like to use social media to the point where they're avoiding things or um, not wanting to deal with certain things. So you have to have a balance there. Yeah. But sometimes it is writing and therapeutic for me in its self-care um, when I'm able to produce this type of content. How did you start this and what drove you to start your page and how did you start to grow? So initially I did not have any... <laughs> I, I did not want to have this platform. Uh, really? Seriously, I, 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 what is it, 2021, 2017, I launched Painical Writing. And all I was going to do was post like quotes. And then I wanted to blog. And I did some blogging. So, if you, if, so all my old followers or yeah, my older followers that they look, I used to blog. I had a lot of blogging going on. But then work got busy and I was like, yeah, I can't keep doing this. And so <laughs> then it turned into, okay, we can do more than just some quotes. We can actually take from what you know as a professional, what you learned as a professional and put it out there for people who yeah. may not have access uh, to certain material. And so most people who follow me know that I have a lot of free content. Like you do some, some things that I couldn't assess or access I wanted other people to access. And so my website and my uh, platform will, will allow you to, you know, obviously have that um, ability to access free information. And so it just kind of turned into, okay, we're writing quotes, we're blogging, but now I didn't have the time and energy for that. And I just started putting more information that I felt people could easily digest and understand. And yeah. then- Started yeah. getting a really good response. They're like, we need more. Can you write about this? Can you write about that? And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I just, yeah, just kept it going. And I would add more things to the side. And, and it's because I know people, some people are on Instagram, some people are on Facebook, some people don't have social media. So yeah. I also made it a point to want to make it accessible for all people, regardless of your race, your gender, your age. It's for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. What happened when you started putting these messages out into the world? Because I know you mentioned you felt like you were calling, you were were being called to do this. And it was like, you're calling to put this out there. What started happening for you? I felt like I started to see a shift for sure. in having more ideas come to mind and more people wanting to collaborate. Um, yeah. I had a lot more of a response of, uh, fo- my following group <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and it was weird because again, I just, I'm anyone who knows me, I'm, I'm okay with being behind the scenes. Like I'll write really? a paper, I'll do a presentation, I'll do all these, these things, but I don't want to be in the forefront, but it pushed <laughs> me to have to like literally show my face more. So more speak opportunities, more podcasts, more, um, just more collaborations. And so then I felt like, okay, I like this because I'm able to help people on a bigger scale, not just 
on social media or in Oklahoma, you know, because that's where I'm licensed. And so it, um, it just opened a lot of doors for me ultimately. And I really, I'm, I'm just really happy. I didn't like stop and give up on myself or allow, allow that imposter syndrome to like stop me because that was another thing that almost made me not want to continue with my, my brand, (laughs) seeing other clinicians and other, um, influencers you know do their thing and I'm just like I'm not at that level like I don't know if I'll get the response the way they are and I had to shut that down and yeah I can (laughs) (laughs) I can so relate to so much of what you're saying because I felt that way about this show and I feel I you know I had this moment of big fear that I've talked about with this show, but I just, you know, kept going. And I think it's so powerful when you are being called to something. I know my calling is sharing people's stories, sharing women's stories and uplifting and empowering women's voices. And if you're feeling that calling and that energy um, in you, I mean, how important is it to just put that out there and follow through with it? And now look what's happening. You're impacting so many people. Every single episode, we talk about female allyship on this show. Uh, And I'm curious is, I know that you said your audience is everyone and you put um, content for everyone out there, but do you hear um, more from women uh, in your content? And and what are women saying to you about what you're saying? Yeah, definitely millennial uh, women, um, little age women, for sure. Um, And it's, it's never really just one specific, um, it's never, it's never just one specific thing I'm getting back from people. One of the things that I will say that's a common theme, I do journal prompts monthly. Mm -hmm. And so I often get people to comment about, um, the journaling prompts and the exercises I provide on my page, um, and how helpful that is because some people, you know, have this, preconceived notion that journaling doesn't work journaling is boring journaling is just not helpful and I had to help try to I want to help change that thought process about about journaling so that's one I would say uh one of the contents that I provide that a lot of women do reach out about and then obviously self-care in different capacities because I talk about all the dimensions of self-care self-care is not just one specific thing and it doesn't look um, the same for everybody. So I definitely get a lot of comments and questions about self-care just in general. Yeah. I want to pull up one of, um, your posts right now because okay. I love them. And I feel like I share your posts all the time because I'm like, you have to listen to her. <laughs> um, but you have some reasons people go to therapy. This is one I really like to help address mental health challenges, to help understand unhealthy patterns and ways to end them. So they can learn from healthy, so they can learn healthier ways to cope, excuse me, struggling uh, to maintain healthy relationships, to process their trauma. Um, if people are struggling with their decision-making, struggling with making life transitions, to learn how to set healthy boundaries, to learn, to, to help gain more insight. And so they can have an unbiased person to speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, when was the first time you went to therapy? What was that experience like for you? So... <laughs> It's people usually one they shock when they're like, "You never been to therapy." Then I have the people who shock, "Oh, you been to therapy? You're a therapist?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm the best therapist. Go to therapy." But um, <laughs> last year, um, the I, I started back in February of last year, and then I ended in December because I had reached some of the goals I had set mm-hmm. um, in the in the year. The best decision I could have ever made in my life. And I should have been in therapy as a teenager, but going back to it not being discussed a lot, or, you know, again, it being the stigma surrounded around people who go to therapy and being black going to therapy, you know, it was just so much that kept me from seeing a therapist. And I was so happy. I I made that leap and decided to go because not only as a professional, it helped me, it helped me personally on a, on a lot of different levels in the trauma I didn't realize I personally still had and yeah. so um I do plan to go back um at some point but I I did go for a year last year and um it was truly life-changing and being on the other side of the couch 
um, I was just like, wow, you know, <laughs> we all could benefit from therapy in some sort yeah. of way. And you oh, I say that all the time. I'm like, everyone needs <laughs> yeah. to go to therapy. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> you know, and then you do not have to be in a crisis related situation. I mean, it could be anything, anything. And mm-hmm. we, nothing was off limits. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing more about your experience with therapy. And, um, I've shared on this show, my experience with, um, my postpartum anxiety and depression that I had. So I got hit really hard with postpartum anxiety. Um, and I went and saw a psychiatrist and I'm on anti-anxiety medication now, and it's been so helpful for me and just so wonderful to get that care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, really turn to my doctor, my OB to help navigate that process with me. Um, for me, that was somebody during this period who is a female ally. Um, and I just kept meeting more people who were female allies in my life during this particular point, I could talk about a ton, but, um, for my postpartum care, that was really important for my mental health and, um, continues to be, have you had, um, some experiences with female allies around your mental health? Because, uh, you, I, um, would assume have been a female ally to so many people through your work. So have you had any female allies that you can think of, um, whether it be just in your life or in your mental health that have really made a difference, um, for you in this area? Outside of my therapist, um, who was, uh, who was a female, um, I would, I, I would have to say, I, I don't, I have, I know a lot of people, but I have very few friends that I consider friends mm. and they're very career driven. They're mothers. Um, some aren't mothers, but they're, they are my rock because when I want to take the therapy hat, therapist hat off and just be Katrina, that's who I, you know, that's who I can go to. Um, that's who I can lean on. Uh, my mother, you know, we grew up together being, you know, she had me at 15. And so like, she still, she gets me, you know, I will always go to her for everything, especially when I need that mother's love and, and, and nurturing attention. Um, and then I, I have some colleagues in the field that um, are, I consider veterans <laughs> um, that I go to and lean on for support and mentorship. And so, um, yeah, I, I have a pretty solid tribe of yeah. strong career-driven um, just, can I say, can I, I don't know if I can. Oh, you can curse. Everyone always <laughs> asks that. And I'm, I, everyone always asks, can I curse? I'm like, yep, go ahead. <laughs> but badass women, like seriously. And I'm just, yeah. And, and we help motivate each other. It's, it's something we all can take from each other and help each other from. Someone may be better with financing or met better with, um, you know, the budgeting and, and, um, I don't know, like, it's just the only different things we have yeah. we're, we're great at. And I just, I don't know what I would do without my, my tribe of women. Um, and yeah, so yeah, no, I think that yeah. <laughs> makes such a huge difference. And, um, we've talked about this before on the show. It, it really is like when you have those people you can go to, especially for, um, those questions, you know, like those, those vulnerable moments and vulnerability in general, um, for you, obviously is such a huge part of your work. Um, but those moments of vulnerability you can have with your tribe, as you described your friends, you know, and the people you can turn to, they're so important for your growth and so important for your personal, you know, time. Um, so I wanted to know kind of what, what has it been like for you to get more vulnerable and, and how has that looked like for you um, and for in your work? And like when you see people getting more vulnerable with you, because um, it's not easy. And I think that it's a huge strength, obviously. Um, but yeah, what does that look like? So that was one of the things I worked on in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes. Seriously. So when you were saying, I was just thinking like, wow, she has no idea, but I worked on that in therapy because again, I, with, with my anxiety that I, I feel is thankfully a lot more manageable. It, it really, it helped, it held me back on a lot of different levels. And it just made me not have the confidence that 
um, I, I, I needed, but other people would see. Um, it made me say no and missed out on opportunities that I, I could have I could have accepted, but just was was scared and fearful about. Um, right. Sometimes I've had hard time communicating my feelings and what I need from others because I felt like if I was too vulnerable, that would show a weakness of mm-hmm. a, a weakness of me. And I was always taught, you know, stay strong. You know, um, you can handle all things. You'll be able to get through this. If anybody can't do it, Katrina can handle it. You know, and mm-hmm. so vulnerability was just something I just was never really taught and understood and didn't feel like I could handle. And I, again, going back to, oh, they're going to make it seem like I'm weak. I have to, I have to, I mean, I'm a woman, so I have to stand up for myself. And, you know, as women, we, you know, I feel like when it comes to our um, identity, we can come off to be more emotional. And so I don't want to come off being even more emotional because I want to share about my feelings. And so I've had to learn that, being open about your feelings and um, honoring your feelings is so important in your mental health walk, in your self-care walk. Because when you are ignoring how you feel um, and not communicating those feelings, then you're not meeting the need that you're gonna, you need as a human. And so, right. um, like you said, not easy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's times I still struggle, but I'm a lot more open about being vulnerable when it comes to my needs now. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've really taken the time to grow and to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that journey is a long one and a lifetime um, <laughs> when it comes to healing. And I know you have mentioned some of your past around, you know, ha- having a mom who had a, a child at a very young age and you going to therapy and seeing that vulnerability and, and not really having those things pop up for you um, as a child. I think that's a, a very common story around vulnerability, uh, around people not seeing the value in it. And um, especially when it comes to leadership um, and what a leader looks like. I think there are a lot of um, mental images in our head we have of like a tough CEO and, um, you know, a woman who's on the grind and is hustling and it's not taking any shit from anyone. But I think the power in vulnerability and leadership is it setting the tone for others to be vulnerable and to come to the table with um, their emotions and their feelings in the workplace. And I feel like that's just so critical. Um, So what does, you know, leadership look like for you? You're obviously a huge leader in your role in your life. And um, has it been hard to embrace your leadership and, and what that might feel like for you? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> From the beginning, girl, I'm going to keep it all the way real with you. Yes. Um, again, I did not foresee me being where I am in this capacity with the business side, the entrepreneur side. Again, I knew I wanted to help people. I knew that I was going to be in this field of mental health and become a therapist. But, you know, having technical writing, you know, being a t-shirt business owner, I have some other things under the works. Like, it is a lot to handle. And, yeah. you know, I um, I was just telling a friend yesterday, like, girl, this, I don't know how people do it, but I know that it's in me to get this done. And I know in order for oh. me to reach, <laughs> like it's something in me that won't let me quit, if that makes sense. Oh, and no, so- I love that you just said that. I don't <laughs> know how people do it, but I know it's in me to get this done. Yeah, I think that is so beautiful and powerful because it just is so true. You, you, there are those questions swirling your brain. How do people do this? But I know it's inside of me to do it. I'm sorry for interrupting. I just had to highlight that. So people need to hear it. They do. And, you know, I can't wait to be able to share what I will call a testimony because a lot of people see you on the outside and think, oh, they have it all together. Oh, they, they did this. They did this very easily. Um, they have no issues, no problems. And I like to tell people, oh no, it's totally opposite. There's so much that comes with being an entrepreneur, putting out and launching businesses for the world to see. And that alone is scary because 
with me, I used to always think, what are other people? And let me say, because some people be like, but you still feel that way. It's better for me. But I used to always struggle with um, what are people going to think if I don't like execute this in this type of way? What if I fail, (laughs) you know? And I've had to look at even the word failure because I don't consider myself a failure. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I might not have been able to pass something um, during that season in my life, but then something else popped up for me that was even better. And so um, very difficult, but going back to your tribe, my tribe, self-care, prioritizing my mental health, uh, being vulnerable, seeking out help when I need it and not feeling like I have to handle everything by myself because that was something else I used to struggle with. Oh, I can do it. I don't want to ask anybody. I'll figure it out, you know? And then that's making me struggle even more because I'm trying to handle a job that requires a team, you know, in some sort of way, but I feel like I can handle it myself because I don't want anybody have, you know to see like to what see I'm the going weakness. through <laughs> yeah like to see or to see the the struggle of it all yeah, yeah it's yep. it's you, you were so especially as women were expected to have it all together and to not struggle and I know I've personally dealt with this a lot in my career but also in motherhood and having this image of like the snapback culture and, you know, emotionally, you're supposed to be fine and your baby's not supposed to cry, you know, like all of those things that come with motherhood, but then also in your career, having all of these things put together, um, in, in all these ways and not asking for help, but it's so, I think number one, I really appreciate your vulnerability and keeping it real on this show about your own journey, um, because it makes it even more powerful when you're asking that of other people. And when you're saying, hey, these are things that we all need to do in order to be functioning, like (laughs) semi-functional people in the world. Um, And, you know, I'd love to hear kind of how you have embraced your leadership. Like, how are you a leader? Oh, well, I consider my leader, my my leader, (laughs) myself a leader. Um, when it comes to one, the, the, the businesses I'm, I'm running, but then also in my field, you know, um, I, my, my boss in particular, she, she trusts me when it comes to handling a lot of responsibilities that other people wouldn't be able to handle or probably wouldn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also with how I, um, I have other people that I, I work with and help when it comes to the needs that they have, when it comes to wanting to understand social work and mental health. And so, oh, Katrina, I look at you as a leader. I look at you as um, someone who's a veteran in this field. And so I just really want to learn and grow under you. And there's some people that I <clears throat> I work with and talk to in that capacity. Yeah. And so I would say those, those three things for sure, I feel has um, helped me become a leader. <laughs> Um, in a lot of way and with leaderships comes responsibility a lot of responsibility and comes a lot of trust um that you in yourself (laughs) that you have to be able to handle and so I tell people if you don't want to be in leadership um then you know that's not a bad thing but like if you're going to be in leadership be mindful what comes with that and a lot of things we've identified up to now is a part of that journey and again it pushes me to, to be out there in the forefront, like I said earlier, where it can be really scary, but people look at you as an expert. Like I get, then that's even weird too. People yeah. Like, Trina, you know, you're an expert in this. And I, and I still struggle with like titles because I don't want to have all these titles and people think that, you know, sometimes it can make people um, fearful of like reaching out to you. And it's like, I don't, I don't want all these titles where it takes away who I am as a human. Cause I, that's who I am first, but yeah, I get people who consider me an expert and I'm well, I do <laughs> <laughs> No, I definitely consider you an expert. And I think having those titles, mm-hmm. there's absolutely, I 100% understand what you're saying where you're like, I'm a human, you know, yeah. like it's, <laughs> you know, this is important. Um, but I also think being an expert is something that, um, women and women of color uh, should be, um, I don't want to say should, but it, they're, uh, 
is a beauty in embracing that Mm -hmm. because there are so many men out there that embrace that expert (laughs) title without necessarily being one or, um, you know, there's just so many men out there that aren't afraid Mm -hmm. of the things that we might be afraid of. And, and I think now it's more important than ever Mm -hmm. for, um, black women to be experts and to be, you know, leading the forefront (laughs) of these things. And so uh, I certainly see you that way. Um, And to kind of continue on this love fest, um, I, I personally love um, bragging um, or having others brag about, I don't love bragging. I love (laughs) having others brag about what they're good at. um, And I think it's just such a powerful exercise. And I know we already talked about the ways in which you're a leader, but can you brag with me for a bit about what are you good at? Like what, what (laughs) makes you, you know, good at A, B, and C? So before I answer, I start laughing because this is an exercise sometimes I provide for my clients. And it is so hard to think about the things you're good at or things that you consider a strength about yourself. Um, but I think the most obvious thing that I feel like I'm good at is being a great listener and helper, you know, and it's hard to be able to be that type of person when you have your own personal struggles that, you know, you're experiencing, but I have learned how to be there for me and be there for others. And so I, I've, I, I take pride in being able to do that very, very well, um, I am also good at, (laughs) I'm a Capricorn and us Capricorns, I'm an organizer. I'm a planner. Like Mm -hmm. I stay on top of like you, you, you let me lead. You will not be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I want that quote. (laughs) (laughs) So I will make sure things are handled, taken care of, um, and make sure you don't have any stressors there. And gosh, I never just really sit and think about all the things I'm great at. Welcome <laughs> to the Growing Women podcast where I'm going oh, to <laughs> ask you these questions. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, what else am I really good at? I would have to say I'm also a, a loyal um, person when it comes to collaboration. So like if you're serious about wanting to do something together, I'm going to do my part and follow through. Like I I am good at saying what I mean, meaning what I say and not disappointing. And so I feel like that's why I've been able to have some of the amazing relationships with friends and and people in businesses because of the loyalty that I have um, with others and just how driven I am, you know? So um, I would have to say that for sure, but I would say those three things, even though they were really hard to come up with. <laughs> you did a wonderful, beautiful, great job. Okay, and thank you. I think that those are really lovely things. And um, as we're, I cannot believe our hour has like flown by so quickly. It does not seem like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but as we're kind of winding down, I, I really feel um, so strongly I am just so appreciative of your time and um, appreciative of your leadership as a woman of color and as a black woman. I think you are just such a leader in your field. And I think um, I I really would love to know if there are other women of color um, that are looking to get into the mental health field um, or if they're struggling with their own mental health you know, what are some things, I I guess this is a twofold question. Um, First, I want to ask, if, if there, we are seeing so much swirling around us right now, um, that is combating our mental health, um, especially for black people in the United States, what are some things that, you know, you have found that you're telling your clients that are just so vital to do for yourself right now? Um, because I want to make sure to provide that space and honor that space on this show. Um, because I think that cannot be ignored. And yeah. um, is really important. So, do you have um, any anything that you can share with listeners? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the first inform- the first and most important thing that I, I want everybody to understand is is rest. It's just and rest can look different. It's not just napping. 
it's not just going to sleep. Um, rest can look like um, silencing your phone, reading a great book, going for a walk, um, listening to your favorite music, taking a longer shower. I mean, rest and do it unapologetically without yeah. giving yourself an excuse to why you're resting and how it's taking up too much time. Um, Self-care is it's important always and forever, but I, I, I'm, I'm always very sensitive to people who don't have access to certain things um, when it comes to self-care. And so I tell people to um, start with the basics when it comes to self-care. So focus on your sleep, body movement, and your, your um, nutrition. Like always like make those areas a um, priority when it comes to how you care for yourself. And then when you are in need of help, find someone within your community that you trust, that you look up to, that you can talk to when needed. Because again, you're not meant to do and handle everything alone. Right. And um, don't feel like that's going to make you feel weak because if anything you struggle more when you're silenced and, and trying to battle things by yourself um and and I'll just say just those three things because those can even be hard for people to start and I want that to be a focal point because if we don't I always tell people before we can work on any problem we have to figure out what is the root what is the cause what why is it such of a struggle for you to even talk about it let's let's start there so figure out what the problem is, but I want you to focus on those most um, critical parts of your life and rest, self-care and community support um, yeah. are important to remember. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that and for holding that space for others as you do with your work all the time. If somebody is interested in getting involved in um, you know, mental health care and becoming um, a social worker, what are some things that have been really helpful for you on your journey? Um, not being afraid to put myself out there and reach out to other social workers. And so whether that's mm -hmm. in your community, um, whether it's in the job you are working or, or um, if you're currently in school and your grad program, your undergrad program, um, talking to someone that um, could help give you more information about what to expect and how uh, there are endless job opportunities out there. Um, and even on social media, you know, it's okay. I, yeah. I don't mind people reaching out to me because if I, if I can't, answer that question or help you I know tons of people who can so <laughs> yeah. don't do not just be afraid to put yourself out there to ask for help with people or yeah with people who are in that field currently um and I always tell people google like certain things you can google obviously <laughs> um, and it's crazy because it's like it's, it's certain information that you can you can get a quick answer to that Google can answer, but um, there's other things that you might want to talk to someone about who's already in the field yeah, um, to help lead you in a better direction. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, I, again, cannot thank you enough for your time. It's just been so lovely to get to know you and talk mm -hmm. about all of these beautiful subject matters with you. And um, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, I am uh, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at K Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, writing, all the same name. Beautiful. And then, yeah, and then my website is knicolewriting.com. So you sh you'll be able to easily find me. Google <laughs> 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 me. <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure to link everything in the show notes so people can easily find you. And um, Katrina, I'm just so grateful for your time today. Thank you for being so open and just so giving during this um, interview. I It's been a pleasure to talk to you and so wonderful to meet you. And I hope um, if you are listening to this show, you will go and <laughs> follow Katrina and give her lots of love. You will not be disappointed. She's always there for a beautiful reminder to take care of yourself and to rest and make sure you're the best version of yourself so you can be the best version for others. So thank you for being on the show today, Katrina. Thank you as well. For those of you listening, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Growing Women podcast. This is Christina signing off. Um, and don't forget your story matters and you matter. 